Okay, unmute. Very good morning, morning, morning. everybody. One and all. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Archibald here with uh, Glenn Yap. We hope Hi, everyone. everyone's uh, morning. Great morning. Hi, uh, Pat. Hi, Mr. Yap. How are you doing? Chewing something, drinking something. Okay, good. 
Um, we got quite a lot of people on today. Oh, uh, I think you all love the hymn, right? I, yeah, we like the hymn a lot. Be not afraid. Uh, really beautiful hymn. Good morning, Rosie Chong. Good morning, me, Matthew. Uh, Mark Darren Lee, where are you? We're waiting for you. Uh, Doris Corner. Uh, yeah, I like your message, Doris. You got this. You got this. You know, it's a message of hope. So, Glenn, how has your um, how has your Lent been so far? Okay, good. I've been the best I can do is to sacrifice what I like, uh, and even that's about movies. So, I have reduced watching movies. Food mm. is okay. I can cut meat and keeping my prayer time lah. That's the most thing and and treating my BEC to also join in. Ah, How's yeah. your land been back? Yeah, we've been having uh, online uh, Way of the Cross with the BEC. So uh, that one is good. Um, it's it's very refreshing. It's very refreshing because very refreshing. Uh, hardly got any chance to meet the people from the BEC. You know, so that is that uh, being able to 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 set that time and, and meet them is really really good. Um, so just looking forward mm -hmm. like now, really looking forward because the chancery notice is there. Uh, we we're yes. gonna be able to have masses again, so that's exciting to get back to church. And then what date is it scheduled for, Pat? For the no no different parishes are uh, they announcing differently lah. So today's topic is actually very very important because. We meet a lot of people uh, uh, around this and as well. Um, we got a, a lot of our parishes are, uh, we have a lot of migrants. I mean, even if you consider you, uh, myself, migrant, considered migrant. Because exactly. Third generation Indians in Malaysia. So, um, today's topic about migrants and refugees and the urban poor. poor. You know, um, very, very uh, important topic, especially for us, for land. So, Jude Pinto, good morning. Aaron, uh, Aaron Powell, good morning. Refreshing like coconut water. <laughs> Your cousin. <laughs> so, all right. Um, shall we bring in Father? Yes. Father Clarence. Hey, morning. Morning, guys. Good morning, Father. Have you got Hi, your Father, coffee? Long time see. Yep. Ah, a cup of joes. Very good, very good. <laughs> How are you? So How are the both of you? Okay, Father. Keeping well. Keeping yes. well. Looking forward Keeping to going to church in. Yeah, of course. I think, uh, I know, as you mentioned, we already saw the notice about churches yes. reopening in stages. As and when they are prepared, they're ready to and have all the SOPs. Not just SOPs. I think what's important is to be able to have all the volunteers also. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, to help with the preparation, and I think that's very important. Uh, you know, we need people to help. I mean, I talk my own parish too, but uh, you know, the more masters we introduce, the more volunteers we need uh, to do screening, to do cleaning. Uh, so, to hope all our viewers out there, you know, if your parish is opening, do offer your help. You know, do give do give a parish office a shout. Say, you know, if you're able to assist in some way, I think this is community service. You know, if you want to bring everybody back, I think we all have to be. In it together, you know. We just cannot yes. expect somebody somebody else to do this, because you know, in between masses, you know, cleaning up, sanitizing, 
uh, you know, then clearing the place, then bringing the new group of people. All this requires volunteers. Yep. It's so Lenten sacrifice. Lenten sacrifice. Yeah, maybe that should be our Lenten sacrifice. Yes. <laughs> you know, to yeah. offer offer help. Yeah, in our local parish, uh, to assist in 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 the reopening of the church uh, in stages. Yeah. So, so a different experience. Yeah. That's right. Very enriching experience. Different to be in service. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear now? Is, is that clear? All right. Yeah, I think that's the that's the difficulty everybody's having bandwidth is an issue. You know, yeah. <laughs> for everyone from working from home, from school, from everything, everybody's got a bandwidth issue. Yeah. So we are in the season of Lent. Uh, yes. And, yeah. And so, as you say, the, our focus this morning is on, on migrants, refugees, and, and urban poor. And rightfully, Patrick, you say, uh, many of our parishes, you know, the face of the church is, is changing. You know, you talk about maybe maybe 40 years ago, uh, a lot of our parishes were, were aligned linguistically. You know, whether this is a Tamil-speaking parish or a Chinese-speaking, Mandarin-speaking parish or an English-speaking parish. You know, we used, we used, at least we all grew up in that kind of a, mind, a mindset. But today, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to say, you know, because you have this whole potpourri of people uh, and, you know, plus, you know, migrants, uh, you know, uh, refugees and everybody is part of the parish community. And so this on this week of this third week of Lent, as we enter the third week, we thought let's focus a little bit about you know these people who sometimes are, are neglected. Uh, you know, they are sometimes victims. You know, yeah. you know. I think one of the challenges that we had initially was when we first opened the church. You know, they said foreigners can't come in. Uh, they all felt left out. Uh, it was a tough, tough, difficult period yeah. Yeah. for a lot of them. You know. Just as much as it was difficult for us during the MCO, I think for them it was yeah doubly or even you know quadruple times. Yeah, they felt uh, neglected. Yeah. yeah, I think also yeah. uh, with uh, with uh, the pandemic uh, last year, um, the number of urban poor we have has just skyrocketed. You know, and you know we a lot of times these are very silent. It's, it's a very silent uh, situation. You know that, that people go through because now we're all separated and and we don't know so that's one of the the challenges that, that we face so we need to be more aware you know so i think maybe we want to bring in a person who is um who really knows the situation on the ground um, um can we bring in uh, our guest for today yeah hi morning everyone right. morning father clarence Patrick hey hi Glenn. morning morning josie yes josie hi morning. morning welcome yeah all refresh thank Ready you for joining us josie I, I, I can just introduce josie to everyone josie is actually the coordinator um for migrants hold on eh? yes migrants and refugees josie yes. uh, josie t is actually the coordinator for migrants and refugees from the archdiocese office of human office. development AOHD, yeah. right? Yes, that's so, right. Um, yeah. So maybe we can get to know Josie a little bit more. Um, Josie, you want to share with us a little bit of how you got started in this industry, industry ministry? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, uh, I love what you have said earlier on where you talk about the, the love that uh, to put ourselves as migrants as well. 
I love the catchy words because when when we say we are a migrants, we get so taboo about it. We say, oh, migrants. I'm not a migrant. I'm a Malaysian. Yeah, but to me, I'm proud to be a migrant. Uh, let me share a little bit background uh, about myself. I was born in Ipoh, uh, hmm. never lived in Ipoh, uh, grew up in different states. I've oh. been to Vilaya, I've been to Negri, I've been to Slango. So I think where I am today is because of my uh, growing up processes. Uh, therefore, I feel that I'm a very adventurous person, very linguistic, a risk taker, down to earth and approachable person. And who I am today, I'm grateful to be a daughter of a migrant. I admire how my uh, grandfather left his country, China, coming to look for a better life here so that his family may have a better, uh, better life. And even he left his comfort zone and community. Mm. And I admire how my grandmother, you know, who is an orphan from Macau, came to Malaya just carrying a small piece of letter uh, to look for her Mr. Wright in Ipoh. Wow. Coming by uh, ship at that time. So I can't remember which year, but I was told by my mom that during that year was that, I think it's a flu swine or flu pandemic <laughs> where my grandma experienced uh, bodies are being thrown out of the ship because they, you know, it's a, it's a serious oh. pandemic. So she took the risk. Yeah, she took the adventurous uh, step uh, to come and meet uh, her Mr. Right in uh, Malaysia. And uh, therefore, I got her gene of being an adventurous and a risk taker person where I ended myself in Myanmar in 2005 to seven, And I returned back to Myanmar to learn the language uh, 2010 uh, to 11. You learned so, Myanmar language also? Yeah, I speak uh, basic uh, Myanmar language. Wow. So then uh, at the same time, I'm very thankful to be given the opportunity to live as a migrant, experience as, as an um, undocumented person, when I was working in a stock market, which I'm uh, not supposed to, illegally I was uh, working there. So when uh, the authority comes to uh, do their spot check, I have to hide in the toilet. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> so that's why I feel that uh, I'm blessed uh, to experience all this uh, internal migration. And at the same time, I'm able to relate how a migrant feels today. It's because of my experiences. And I say it's not by chance I'm sitting here. It's pre-planned by God, uh, the process that I've Amen. gone through. And I feel that uh, there is no standard guidelines or SOP because every situation is unique by itself. Yeah. Hmm. So you see, when I'm given a chance to talk, I can't stop. So you better stop me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you, I mean, you're right. I mean, when we talk about being migrants, I mean, leave aside where our ancestors came from. Yeah. Even our life on earth, is a migration, isn't it? I mean, in, yes. in some ways, uh, uh, we are. This is transitory. We are passing through. So wherever we are, wherever we are, uh, we are on. We are actually moving from one stage to another stage. Uh, mm. Yeah, that's interesting, uh, Josie. When you mentioned that your own experience uh, of being in Myanmar uh, and having experience, you know what what it means to be a, a migrant uh, inspires you to. To be able to to relate to to reach out to others, you know, 
But in your growing up years, what, I mean, was there something significant that you, you know, that inspires that you can remember today that, you know, that changed your outlook, especially in wanting to help, you know, to be of service to others? Something in your family or your, your parents were like that? Yeah, I've, 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 I've seen uh, how my parents uh, give themselves. My dad is a Kataguese uh, who serves the uh, Chinese community. So, and it's because of my dad, we have to move from one place to the other. So, oh. why I'm saying that I, I, I've stayed in Wilaya and agree and Slango. He's not a government servant, but he's a servant of God. So, we have to move as a family. So, by the time we are so, so comfortable with this environment, we have to move, uproot ourselves to a new community. So, it's a challenge to adapt ourselves into a new community because uh, as a youth, you find it difficult. They have already started their community. So to enter into a community, it takes me time to adjust myself. Even in school, I was studying a convent school. Suddenly, I went to Tampin. I have to uh, study a Kebangsaan school. So it's it's a, a challenge for me to adjust myself. And I thank, and I thank for that experience. It's because of that I'm able to adapt myself with all walks of life, uh, where 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 I am today. You have to leave yeah. your friends behind also and Precisely. meet new people and build new relationships. Precisely. And we always the challenges faced by the migrants, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and because of my dad, we stay in the church. So there is no friends, there's no neighbors. So the only friends you have is your, your environment and the church next to you. Yeah. So whether it's good or not, I, I'm not called to be a nun, but I'm called to be a nun. N-O-N-E. <laughs> not a N-U-N. <laughs> yeah. So, probably uh, it's a different mission that God has uh, uh, called me to. And I just would like to affirm uh, my baptismal uh, name. Uh, basically, why I call myself Josie is because people find it difficult to pronounce the whole name Josephine. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, my actual name is, my baptismal name is Josephine. So, it's not coincident why my dad gave me Josephine, but I think it makes sense because Josephine uh, comes from a, a saint name by the name of Saint Josephine Bakita. And she's oh. a, a slave. She's a patron saint, patron saint of uh, Sudan and a saint for uh, survival of human trafficking. So again, oh. where I am placed, uh, wow. I feel so called and passionate to reach out to this population. It's not because uh, why I'm not serving the local, no. It, it's somehow or rather there's a call and desire to reach out to this. But ultimately, end of the day, whether it's migrants, refugee or local poor or urban poor, they go through the same, same uh, vulnerability, yeah, which mm -hmm. is poverty, which is not by their own choice they are being uh, uh, in this situation. So I think that's the topic or the, the team that you have chosen, more alike than different. They are all alike. Yeah, no, no, no saying that uh, they have better privileges uh, because they are migrants or because they are refugees. Yeah, because there's some how, how, how long How long have you been in this ministry, Josie? How long have you been in this Oh, uh, 14 years. Wow. wow. 14 years I'm in this ministry, yeah. What, what have been some of your challenges? And, and what are the challenges faced also by the migrants? Uh, there are many challenges, uh, I would say. Um, 
one of the challenges is because uh, of our unfriendly migrant policy. Sorry to quote that, uh, which makes it difficult for us uh, working mm. in the ministry to advocate for them. Uh, sometimes for me personally, it's also a lonely battle uh, because not uh, all are in favor of helping or reaching out to this population. Uh, I call them my brothers and sisters, the migrants and refugees, due to uh, xenophobia presence. Yeah, the strong xenophobia presence, uh, I can't blame uh, us uh, because once we learn to let go of this uh, barrier, we are able to see them as our brothers and sisters. Yes. And uh, of course, one of the challenges also is to understand the different culture. Uh, it doesn't apply to all culture. Myanmar have different culture, Vietnam have different culture, Philippines different, etc. So we so, can't, yeah. yeah, you can't have the same apply to all of them. And uh, sometimes they may say that they understand you, but actually they don't understand you because diplomatically they want you to feel good. They will say, uh, yeah, yeah, we understand. So the more when you talk to them, then you realize that actually they don't understand you. Yeah, they're yeah. very polite people. They're very yes. uh, polite uh, group. They don't like to say no. You know? Yes, that's right. That's uh, one right. of the things that I found, um, and I don't know, Josie, you may want to talk about it. Their level of faith uh, is so much greater, I find, um, compared to a lot of people uh, uh, that uh, we're used to, you know. I find yeah. that they've got a tremendous amount of faith. Yeah, yes. uh, which, which I agree. And sometimes it's because of them, it helps me to build my own faith as well. It's through them that I learn to discover my faith. Uh, you see, for example, for Christmas and Easter, they really come together as one big family. They come together to sing, come together to pray. They even have this very strong... Uh, a communitarian spirit, I would say. Yeah, and uh, some of them yes. will start preparing. Like, I, I remember, I, as I can recall, when I was young in Tampin, when we, when we celebrate feast day, everyone will come together and some will take part in cultural show. Uh, some will present makan-makan, uh, uh, you know, cook, you know, that kind of spirit, you know. I miss that. And I find that in them. Uh, when Christmas time or Easter time, they will spend. Uh, they will come spend their time leaving their jobs behind. Uh, of course, some of them have daily wages, so they sacrifice their wages to come just to be in, with the community. Some will be cutting the vegetables, cooking, and then uh, some will be doing up the creep, you know, for Christmas, and then uh, decorating the hall, fetching the priest uh, that comes in to, uh, uh, to to celebrate mass. So the spirit of communitarian is very uh, strong in them. And when I celebrate mass together with them, you know, the cry, it, I would invite you to experience if one when after the pandemic, you know, when they have this big occasion celebration, come and join us. You will feel that they were like, I feel like they are crying out, you know, crying out and reaching out to God and says, look, we are coming as a humble servant of yours to lift up our lives to you. We know our lives are difficult, our lives are challenging, but we are hopeful. Yeah, that is one thing that mm. they always cling on the hope. Yeah, hope that gives them, uh, makes them to be a strong person. Yeah. You were like the Israelites. <laughs> if, there's, if there's a story, Josie, that you would share with us, I mean, if there's any, something that, you know, that while you were doing and seeing them that has 
strengthen your own faith? You know, is there an, an experience or an encounter that you know you? I'm, I'm sure there are many. I'm sure there are many experience, but is there one that stands out for you that you know, having seen this in you yourself, were inspired in faith? One particular yeah. incident. Yeah, there was this uh, Vietnamese boy that we had helped help out. You know, he was uh, very persistent. Uh, wanting his uh, claims to get, to be uh, to 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 get his compensation claim because he was not paid for a few months. So together with an NGO, uh, we managed to get his uh, compensation done. So by getting his compensation, he flew back to Vietnam, built his house. Not enough material, he flew to Viet, uh, to uh, Brunei to work. So the moment he reached Brunei, the first thing he did was he looked for a church. He's not a Christian, neither he's a Catholic. Nah. So he went and looked for a church and he uh, currently now, he's the leader of, uh, uh, he was appointed as a leader for the Vietnamese community, even though he is not uh, a Christian. Uh, he's still practicing his uh, religion. Uh, what, what was significant is that he tells me that uh, even though he's not a Christian, but he still goes to the church to pray. And he believed the power of prayer. And when he faced mm. uh, challenges, he will go to Mother Mary, he will go to the church, he will pray. As, and he, he shared with me that it's because he feels God's presence uh, is with him when he, was, uh, he, he goes to the church. But yet he's not a Christian. Yeah, that is how strong wow. his faith is. I mean, in terms of uh, seeing how 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 he he lived his faith even though he's not a christian yeah and the belief that he has that god is there for him in whatever circumstances and challenges so that really uh motivates me or calls me even more in terms of my faith yeah wow only a matter of time that he and his whole family will probably embrace embrace the yeah. lord in the catholic faith yeah, in God's yeah. hand. Yeah, in yeah, God's hand. Uh, ultimately, God is the uh, person who called. But we we may sow the seed. Uh, ultimately, uh, it's God. Which when he was here, I taught him. I said, hey, look, we can't handle our, with our own strength. We must rely on God. So I told him, you know, this is what you can do. You know, just say whatever you want to say. When he was in Malaysia, the challenges that he goes through, uh, the experience that he went through. So I say, you pray, you know, just believe that there is this uh, force behind you that will help you so and he carried that with him and now he's blessing others in vietnam uh, other vietnamese in brunei amen but that's wow. that's that's your that's your primary goal isn't it i mean your primary goal is is human development you know yes, it, it's right. it's independent of what faith they are you yes. know whether they are christians or non-christians or any faith you know yeah. our whole approach to them would be you know it's it's reaching out as as humanity as fraternity as pope francis would now call it uh we're all brothers and sisters but you know but as you said earlier you talk about xenophobia yeah i mean a lot of us carry this little prejudice or maybe a stereotyping isn't it when we see someone from another country uh you know or we see somebody of another you know oh we are very suspicious but yet but yet these are the people that that serve us in many ways. You go to a supermarket nowadays, I mean, in the cashier, most likely mm. is somebody from another country. Uh, you go to a restaurant, I mean, of course, the days before when we could go and sit in a restaurant, 
the one who takes your order is somebody from another country and and we we depend on them so much uh for for these services what do what do you think how can we you know how can people break that that stereotyping you know of of migrants of refugees what what would you think would be you know some ways that we could start rethinking you know resetting our our our, our mindset the yeah. way we look at people yeah when we think that they are our brothers and sisters put across put aside whether they are migrants or or urban poor or or the poor or the vulnerables i think that's where we we are able to reach out you see like what inspired me i always quote the bible quote of uh, i i love the passage of where abraham and uh, sarah how how father abraham you know uh, seeing a stranger far away he doesn't uh, just wait for the stranger to come to him he in ran fact, out ran, he ran out you know that was the key he ran mm -hmm. out he ran out and he welcomed them into his house so i think that is what is lacking uh, uh, if we could put aside our differences and says hey look you are my brothers you are my sisters i just yes. need to uh, be there for you and i will uh, reach out to you and one significant uh, experience when i was in myanmar that i noticed in each household uh, of houses uh, in myanmar they have a water pot filled with water uh, a clay pot filled with water outside their house so i was curious why everyone has a water uh, a pot filled with water outside so one day i asked the local i say what what's the significance of you guys putting a a water uh, pot uh, clay pot uh, outside of your house then they shared with me saying that oh this water is for any passerby who pass pass by who needs uh, who who are thirsty they can just have a drink oh wow anyone just pass by who needs a drink they can just uh, take a, a cup and, uh, and and serve themselves and moved on on their journey so things like that simple as it is but it really helps regardless uh, who he or she is so that that's what i i feel uh, yeah and also same goes to faith back in vietnam i was told that when christmas comes uh, catholic families will put a crib in front of their house so people surrounding uh. will be asking oh what's the significance of this so then they started sharing uh, uh, it's not about santa claus it's about yeah jesus who is born in the manger so that's how they evangelize by uh, not going out all the way for fun but through through the, the through the life that they practice yeah so so yeah one of the ways to really uh, put down your uh, barrier and says i'm one with you that, that makes more easier. Brothers, huh? yeah just this makes more easier uh, for for us to reach out uh, and today like today the first thing where foreigners comes in they don't say who built the twin tower they will say oh very nice twin tower you have yeah so when people tells me that i will say do you know who builds it yeah i give credit to the migrants i say they are the one who builds it you know the credit should goes to them who is the one who takes care of us when uh, we sleep at night had a comfortable sleep the security guard the nepali yeah so how are yeah. we going to yeah. welcome them how are we going to greet them uh, you know in the morning uh, when i pass by uh, coming to work there's a lot of security guards along the way uh, nepali so i will pick a few words and when i greet them they really uh, feel happy uh, that someone recognize them you know by putting them uh, visible in front of 
rather than putting mm. them invisible. Yeah. So we we as a Christians have a call to put another person visible rather than invisible. So that's, that's a very important point that you mentioned because learning their language, you don't have to know many many words, but simple words. You know, yes. Um, yes. Uh, the fact that, that yeah, you know, um, learn in in Myanmarese. How do you say good morning? Thank you. You yeah. know, simple mm-hmm. phrases like that. You know, it'll brighten up your day. You know, if, yeah. even if you're not doing great big things, you know, in the, but that makes a difference in their lives. Yeah, I agree with that because uh, during fasting month, uh, I used to wait for my sister at the MRT uh, at, at 7-Eleven uh, because she drives, I don't drive, I commute those days. Lah. So what happened is in the 7-Eleven, there's this Bangladeshi, uh, always uh, they are working in the 7-Eleven. So during fasting month, they break fast together. They invited me to fast. Uh, they invited me to break fast with them, even though I don't know them, just because oh. I spoke a few words, <laughs> just because wow. I picked up one word, you know, which is thank you. So whenever I buy goods, I say thank you in their language, and they appreciated, and they started asking me how you know my language. <laughs> so I say you Small, are even one more, word. I say you one are even word. more cleverer than me. You can speak Malay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because of not, no choice, they have to pick up the language so that they can survive. So I say, you are more linguistic than me. I just know only this one phrase and that amazes you. So I say, yeah. you are my brother. <laughs> I think that's, a, that, I mean, that's an important point is that when you, when you make an effort to speak to them or I say a word in their language, it simply means you, you recognize their presence. Yes. Uh, you, you recognize that he is a person and not just a thing or she is a, she is a person, a brother or a sister. Uh, yeah. I mean, it goes back to our own Catholic social teaching, you know, about the dignity of the human person. Precisely. Sometimes we think of Catholic social teaching as, as you know, uh, a whole body of, of documents to be read. But these are things that we do on the ground, that we could do on the ground to recognize the dignity of a person, like what Patrick said, you know. Uh, just learning a word or two and, and you know, when you say it in, in, their, in their language, uh, they say, eh, Somebody actually recognizes me. Uh, somebody actually, you know, uh, you know, sees right? sees the person I am, and not just the function that I do. And and we yeah. see them all over. I mean, and you can't run away from the fact. You know, you go to a petrol station kiosk, uh, you you see a migrant. You go to a supermarket, you see a migrant. You go to a restaurant, you see a migrant. Well, I think in some ways we all can be more multilingual than we already are. Mm-hmm. We can start picking up different different languages, isn't it? Yeah, that's precisely, Father. You can you can test it out. Okay, I'll just give you, uh, for example, uh, you just try it out and see how, whether their face will be uh, shining like, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you have brightened their day maybe, perhaps, no? So, for, for Myanmar, you can just say Minglava. Minglava is just the word as hello. Minglava. Minglava. Yeah, precisely, you got it. <laughs> so, Minglava. So, yeah. So that's the word where you say hello to a, a Myanmaris, yeah, Mingalaba, yeah. And then the word that you see a uh, Nepali, you can say Namaste. I mean, that's common, ah. right? That's very common. You can just say Namaste. And they are very happy because uh, due to pandemic, we cannot shake hands, no? All of us have to put our hand this way. So that is their, in fact, that is their symbol to greet their greetings. Huh? So you can say uh, Namaste, you know. And for Filipino, of course, uh, mabuhay. Mabuhay. Yeah, mabuhay. <laughs> you know, so so by having these few 
words in your pocket, it really brightens up other other people' uh, lives outside there. How how do you say thank you? Because I mean, okay, thank you for Philippines is very easy. Salamat because Salamat it's thank you for Myanmar is even easier. You remember Jesus? You will remember yeah. how to pronounce it. It's Jesu Timbare. Wow. Jesu Timbare. Wow. Yes. Jesu Timbare. So you got it. <laughs> Jesu Timbare. Timbare. Yeah. So now we are having linguistic class, ah, huh, Linguistic class. <laughs> now we have changed the podcast into 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 a language school now. Language uh, the class. New, the new direction. No, but but yeah, Josie was just wondering, you know, yeah. with this MCO that has come with the pandemic, you know, of course, all our lives have been impacted. We all, you know, have to like to reset our lives and i'm sure that the challenges for for the migrant community uh, is is far more i mean i give you an example like you know prior to the pandemic um, there were there were three communities that i go to to say mass mm. uh, uh, off the off the main road you know but in this past year uh, i've not been able to go into to to offer them the spiritual sustenance or you know the assistance that they require but i'm sure there's more than that what are the the new challenges that they are facing you know uh in the light of the pandemic you know that we should be aware of you see what happened was during pandemic uh, a lot of uh, i mean there are new pockets that came in surface to me it's new but nothing new to ngo maybe i'm not sure but to me it's something new that surfaces there are a lot of uh, Filipino women, um, domestic workers, that doesn't attach to an employer. So they are like, uh, uh, they, they, they work on their own. Yeah, they have, uh, as, you, as, as usual, we, Malaysia Bole, we have uh, a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, they, they, there are ways for them to uh, get a work permit to, to stay on. So they, these are the population that because of pandemic they cannot go out to work and a lot of them are single mothers yeah either uh, their kids are fathered by a migrants or fathered by a malaysian so uh, their daily wages were being affected so they have no jobs and uh, thus no pay uh, because there's no job and no pay they are unable to feed uh, mouths back in uh, philippines or also uh, uh, here in uh, Malaysia. So a lot of them are feeling uh, their anxiety level increases during uh, this pandemic. They were thinking about how to send money back home Yeah, uh, as I'm a single mother and my kids are waiting for me uh, to, to send money. Even if I have the money to send, I can't go out. And even if I have the money to send, uh, my children cannot, uh, my family back home cannot reach uh, the agency to withdraw the money to buy rations so a lot of anxiety starts to uh, escalate in them uh, they are unable to go out uh, they fear of arrest and afraid of getting sick because to get sick in, in, in to get sick here is very costly just to see a, a just to go to a one malaysia clinic cost them 40 ringgit uh, for us, mm. it's only one ringgit. For them, 40 ringgit. And just to be admitted in a hospital, uh, just to uh, register yourself for admission in a hospital, it's 160 ringgit. So these are the things that uh, makes them uh, stressed out. And so even if they are sick, they wouldn't go and see a doctor. Yeah, They will just apply whatever traditional medicine they have. 
uh, which I come across, uh, which I am aware of uh, cases like such, you know. So there was this young boy, he's only 23 years old when he was uh, here working. And because of, uh, not because of his fault that he became undocumented, for whatever reason he became undocumented, he uh, worked in a construction uh, site. So one day, a uh, uh, construction site, a metal fell on his feet. So because of the expenses that he has to pay and because of the mouth that he needs to feed back home, his family, that his concern is his family, um, he started applying traditional medicine. So when he was, uh, when he was uh, partially recovered, he started working because he's on daily wages. Uh, after two weeks, he passed away because there's infection Whoa. on his uh, oh, feet. Yeah. So these are some of the incident, inci incidents that uh, really uh, makes them uh, down uh, and full of anxiety. Yeah, and they cannot stand uh, to see their children without food. And some even some migrants during pandemic told me that they they rather not eat uh, than to provide food for their children so that the children can eat. So these are some of the population that we have reached out to, even migrants, uh, uh, even refugees. Uh, they were affected because there is no job for them. And uh, during pandemic, especially those uh, cleaners, they cannot go out to do cleaning job because uh, especially some condominiums started putting banners saying that no foreigners are allowed. So, you know, things like that really, uh, really didn't help them uh, in that sense. It's so, difficult that we don't see them as sisters and brothers. Yeah, so that's that's the main key. When we're able to see them as sisters and brothers, we will reach out to them. And of course, a lot of... Uh, um, <laughs> Some of Malaysians are also telling me, ah, yeah, you look at the refugees. They wear even better than us. Their clothes are, you know, uh, Nike. Their shoes are Nike. Their clothes are, you know, Polo or Esprit or, or, or etc. Yeah, but if you look behind uh, why they are wearing this kind of clothes, it's because there are generous people who feels that they may not be able to use it anymore and passed on to them. So let's not straight away judge them by seeing how they dress and uh, see them holding a mobile and say, look at them, behold, the mobile phone is more expensive than us. Uh, to tell you the truth, back in, I, I was like that as well before, you know. But then I realized back in Myanmar, I realized that to own a, a mobile phone, it costs you about 1,000 USD those days. So when they work as a migrant, the first thing first, what would you own? A mobile phone to show that, you know, the basic that, wow, I'm... Uh, They've reached you know, there. They've attained something. Precisely. So a lot of migrants that comes to Malaysia to work, the first thing first they do is they will take beautiful pictures surrounding, they show their families that they are well off, but actually deep down inside, they are really sad because there's no friends, they leave their families behind. And sometimes even they call back home, the family is pressuring them to send money back home. So sometimes they don't even eat they send all the money uh, back home. And here we are saying, wow, they are wearing so nice. They are, they are having a, a luxurious life here. But their parents doesn't know that actually they are living in a, in a dormitory which uh, 10 or 15 people are staying in. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, that there may not be a, a correlation. Uh, not sure whether we have kind of uh, been disconnected with Josie. Uh, yeah, oh. but 
yeah, maybe she'll be back shortly. Uh, you know, just just listening to to Josie, we also realized that during this MCO, uh, at least I have seen where, where I live. I don't know about both Patrick and Glenn in your areas. You know, you, you see a lot of people, you know, on the streets now. I mean, uh, the urban poor, uh, the numbers have 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 gone up uh, in 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 so many different ways. A lot of people have lost their jobs. I guess uh, people who are daily wage earners. Uh, you know who have no income uh you know in in some ways how do we how do we reach out how do we help i think this, this there is a challenge to to be able to to reach out to them i think i mean the, the reality is that you know if we can do a little to help one another and i think this is one thing that i found i don't know whether you have found in in your own experience uh, among the migrant communities is that they're, they're very supportive of one another uh yeah, when, yeah. you know when there's some difficulty or when there's a bereavement they, they are so supportive of one another you know uh, and they are willing to help one another even financially uh, even though they have little they are they, they are very helpful of of each other so perhaps i think this is these are the exactly. realities that we, we we need to be aware of uh, that our own prejudices uh, have to be set aside and how do we how do we move forward i think the integration part of it you know how do we integrate them into into our into our communities into our whether BECs or or, or parish? Uh, how do we how do we bring them in? Yeah, so we have Josie back yes. with us. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, sorry, I think I talk too much. No worries. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're you're our guest. We're talking. We're just talking about you know the correlation. You know, yeah. I mean, you realize that during the MCO, you know, new pockets that 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 came up that you're being aware of. We also realize that the urban poor, I mean, has increased. Uh, we see a lot of people displaced uh, on the streets, you know, just where I live and where your office is around us. We see so many people uh, out there, you know. But in terms of, of integration, Josie, I mean, in the ministry that you are in, in the Archdiocese, you know, what, what uh, avenues are there uh, to assist them? What projects do you all have to help? Uh, whether migrants, refugees, or or the urban poor, that pe that people could refer to, could you know, if you feel helpless, that you know that you know there's something in the archdiocese that they can direct people to. Is there something like that? Uh, you see, basically, we work very closely with the BEC and the parish, basically with the PIHD, which is Parish mm. Integral Human Development. So, uh, when a person walks in. First thing first, we find out where they are from and we refer them to the parishes near to them. The reason is not because we want to throw the bucket back to the parishes. The reason is so that the parishes can follow up because they live nearer to them. And it's easier for the pockets, uh, this person of concern, uh, to reach out and to continue on the journey and the processes. So, uh, but in, in Archdiocese, uh, we do have, uh, we do refer most of the time. Uh, we also uh, run um, uh, for individual cases, like, like let's say they are not belong to any parishes or so. So we accompany them uh, to lodge police reports or help them in terms of their immigration uh, situation. Uh, just be a friend, listening ear. I remember when some migrants that comes in, uh, refugees that comes in, or even a local urban poor that comes in, uh, straight away when I have the perception that they are coming for money, 
it doesn't work. Yeah, so it doesn't help me. So when I leave this perception or, or put this barrier away and I just start listening to them, giving them options, yes. uh, and yeah. that's where I can see that uh, actually they came in not because they wanted the financial assistance, as what I assume. Uh, they are coming in to just, they need somebody to listen to. And they don't know what ways and how they can help themselves. So by laying down some options to them, it really helps them to make a decision. Because ultimately, uh, it is not us that uh, uh, make a decision for them. And part of Catholic social teaching is that we uh, empower them to make their own decision at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 In fact, yeah, we, sh um, we should be attentive to the foreigners, to the migrants, to the urban poor, the refugees in our BEC. Like in my BEC, um, at my house, across the, the road, there was an Indian national. Uh -huh. Someone my mom get to find out that he was a foreigner and uh -huh. she entreated, asked him to join, join on our gatherings. And he did. Uh -huh. He did join us. He stayed on, um, but he shifted out. He still, he still continues to serve and be an assumption. And he was so grateful. He and his wife, uh, hmm. they joined our BEC. Hmm. So one thing just... significant, yeah. One significant uh, was that when uh, during the the, I mean, there's a, a song that is being uh, played earlier on. Uh, that song also struck me. You know, uh, be not afraid. Be not afraid. So whoever out there, whoever, regardless whether it's a uh, urban poor or, or migrants or refugee, be not afraid. Even your smile can just touch them. Yeah, even your gesture can also touch them. Even by reaching out to them, you can also touch them. So like for me, I'm not boasting. For me, when I see a person who has mental uh, illnesses on the road, I of course, the first thing is whether they will hurt me or not. Right, I mean, mm. normal as human as we are, we will be wondering whether they will uh, hurt us or not. But when I approach them, I try to talk to them. Uh, they seems to be okay. Uh, I even one time uh, at one time I met one person uh, whom I she was asking for money. I said, "No, I won't give you money. But you want a meal? You come with me. I'm hungry. I'm going for my lunch. You can join me for lunch." In fact, I was told right? she followed me. She followed me. I said, "You, wow. you just choose what." You just choose whatever you need to eat. And guess what? She didn't choose expensive food. She just choose a chicken egg with curry. So I said, take, 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 take what you want, you know? And she didn't. She just picked a, 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 a chicken egg and a curry and a, that's all she ate. And I said, sit next to me. And she was like, no, no, no way. I'm going to sit next to you. Actually, I should be the one afraid of her, but she's afraid of me, <laughs> you know? But when I was about to pay the bill, the only owners sounded me. Yeah, the owners sounded me saying, "Next time, please don't bring people like that into my shop." I see. Hmm. Oh, I so I explained. I put my friend. She is my friend. Is it wrong for me to welcome her for a meal? Then they kept quiet. <laughs> you know, it's how we, it's how we treat a person, gives the person the dignity. And recognize yes. the person regardless whether he or she is a, um, a migrant, a refugee, or an urban poor. Because they are all the same. Yeah, It's just that the circumstances that has put them into this state. If it's not because mm. of the circumstances, I don't think they are, they are in this position. Yeah, Who doesn't want to be with their family back home? 
who doesn't want to have a comfortable uh, community which they can relate to? Yeah, it's because of the circumstances they have gone through. They have to sacrifice that in order to provide something much more for their family. So I always mm -hmm. admire their admire their determination, admire their perseverance, admire their faith and faithfulness. Yeah, so that's how it had helped me and built me. So I always say that I am not helping you, but in fact, you are helping me and you are teaching me to be who I am today. Yeah, and you are my guru and I'm not your guru. <laughs> yeah, so I learned from you. Yeah, to be who I am today is because of you and I thank you for that. So that's how I, I yeah. I'm sure in your, in your course of helping people, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to ask you, but in the sense that People call you at all kinds of hours, odd hours. Uh, you know, it's like almost a twenty-four-seven ministry, isn't it? I mean, in some ways, people can have different needs, can have different uh, requirements. You know, I mean, do is like for example, if somebody encounters someone and feels helpless, not able to help, uh, is there a helpline where people can call uh, to to get some direction, some assistance? Uh, whether in the area of, of you know, legal issues or just even humanitarian issues, uh, you know, uh, is some is there something available like this for them to uh, to be able to go to? Yeah, you see, like for locals, we are blessed because uh, we have the support that we have a lot of support that we we can get. For example, you see a, a local poor on the streets or, or somebody who is mm -hmm. beaten up or somebody who has uh, gone through uh, a certain situation, you can call the hotline uh, which was which is provided by the government, which is 15999. Yeah, 15999 mm -hmm. is where you can just straight away call them up and uh, give them the description where, who you are and a situation like that. Yeah, and, 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 and depends if they are around your neighborhood, maybe you can find out by seeing what are their present needs. Is it the food that they need? Yeah, not, not necessary that immediately you, you need to jump, jump the gun by saying that, oh, uh, he or she uh, are being abused or whatsoever. Yeah, so actually, basically, it's just to be a friend to them. Yeah, uh, mm. and of course, during office hour, you can call the office, AOHD's office, you know. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, you can call uh, AOHD office, uh, which I believe uh, later on. Uh, do I need if to? It, if uh, if maybe you can say fast. It. Oh, you can. It. Yeah, it's 20785 Yeah. So, other than this. 77799 you can call there and there will be a, a hotline. I mean, that's a hotline which the government provides. And if the yeah. foreigners are in trouble, the migrants or the refugees? In fact, actually, sometimes when we say that when they are in trouble, they don't know where to go. I don't uh -huh. think so. I don't think so because their communitarian spirit is very strong. They are uh -huh. able, sometimes, sometimes they are the ones who gave me information. Yeah, it's not me giving them information. So don't jump the gun by saying, oh, I want to be the good Samaritan and, uh, you know, I, 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 I know that they need this, they need that and demand this, demand that. No, they, they in fact, able to find uh, their way out. But of course, uh, other than that is the uh, Parish Integral Human Development. 
PIHD in the various parishes. So don't come and call me uh, from uh, Seremban and say, oh, I have a Seremban case. We can't run to Seremban, no? So the nearest person that you can look out for is PIHD in Seremban. Yeah, and uh, that's so, where... Uh, get in touch with the parish, la, you know? The parish yes, has their precisely. own uh, parish ministries that actually precisely. Uh, reach out to the migrants, refugees and urban poor. So precisely. Uh, if you do have... Yeah. Uh, uh, these needs, please do contact them. They have got a structure that even uh, goes up to the archdiocese, you know. So that if there are cases that Josie needs to get involved, she can get involved. Um, yeah, right now, if you've got any questions, guys, uh, please uh, feel free to to put those questions in the in the chat box, either in YouTube or in Facebook, wherever you're seeing us. Please uh, feel free to if you've got questions for Josie uh, or, or, or things that you want to highlight to us. Um, just to let you know, Josie, we've got people uh, like Doris Corner that's uh, 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 saying thank you for being with us. You know, we love you, ma'am, Josie Tay. Ah, wonderful. You know, so yeah. we've got people who, who have been following you and, and um, being uh, supported in your ministry. Uh, they're being very grateful, uh, you know, for what you've done for them. Amen. Yeah. No, Josie, just, just maybe, maybe to ask you, I know, uh, you know, it's a very demanding ministry, I know, you know, not just challenging, but also very demanding uh, in, in this area. What what makes you, you know, wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do this again today? Yeah. Like what I said, uh, I don't know, it's, it's maybe perhaps it's inborn in me because of my uh forefathers i mean my grandma and my grandfather i see how how determined they are i that that motivates me and uh, also mm. what motivates me is knowing that uh, they are my brothers and i care for them and they are my sisters i i want to care for them yeah and uh, i thirst to to hear their stories yeah when the moment you sit down with them and hear their stories really touches you and really melts you and really motivates you for the day so instead of uh, me motivating them but in fact they are motivating me so i always look forward to to meet a migrants and listen to their stories and uh, hear from what they have to, to say it's not so much of uh, rendering services not so much of uh, uh what do you call that uh, uh giving your five cents or ten cents to them no yeah mm. josie also saw. you remind you remind so us um about father abraham when he rushed out to greet the the two people approaching the tent right yes that's right and so, you never know you know you you you, you the, may never know that by entertaining these strangers you're actually yes. entertaining angels without knowing yes. you know Without knowing, you're actually entertaining angels in Hebrew uh, 13, uh, verse 2, I think. Exactly. And and in some Bible study, the angels also were, it, they were said to be the Lord also. But yeah. it's, it, it, those strangers will are holy beings. Uh, they could be angels, yeah. as, as what you said. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for reminding us. Yeah, even so the, the women. Yeah, we have a question here. Yeah, yeah, we have a question from Mary Teo. Uh, Josie, for you, what has been your most enriching, either one, enriching or frightening experience in reaching out to the migrant and the poor? Do you have a, one story that stands out? 
Oh, I thought I've uh, the Vietnamese that. boy. In fact, I had, I had, I had many success stories. So one, another one story that I would say is uh, the principle of solidarity that uh, that we practice. Of course, all these cut across whatever ministry or whatever missions that we do is based on the Catholic social teaching. Yeah. So one, one, one of the principle of uh, solidarity that I can share with you is that standing together as one human family. Uh, when uh, the Archdiocese took up a project to work with a Christian vocational school, I won't mention which school, I believe you know, <laughs> when I say it's a Christian vocational school to protect them. So um, we have sent 12 young uh, uh, boys and girls uh, to study vocational training and we journeyed with them for one year. Yeah, journey with them for one year to see their development. Uh, we, we, one year of skill and personal development. Uh, and they graduated from uh, this school. And they carry with them this uh, uh, spirituality of the school, yeah, the charism that they have learned. Uh, they, they are not Christian again. You know, it's, sometimes it's quite sad, you know. When you cast your net out, uh, it's not the Christian that comes forward. It's, it's the, other, the other, other religion that comes forward. But it's okay. Yeah, like what Father have said earlier on, yeah, we, 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 we cut across anyone who, who needs help. You know, help doesn't mean that we only look into our own uh, uh, backyard. We, we also, when there's a need, people comes, we respond. Yeah, so if a need comes and we don't respond, we start saying that, oh, whether is it legal or not legal, uh, whether uh, ferrying a migrants to church is legal or not legal, that, that's where we started uh, having all the uh, fearfulness in us, you know, whether should we do or should we not do. Just plunge into the deep and, and say, yeah, okay, then you will see the fruits. So what happened to these 12 graduates? They have graduated, some have resettled to the States, some is still around here. So uh, those that is around here, they are working in uh, various localities. So I remember one of them shared uh, and, and shared that she had learned to value money. Yeah, through this experience, she has learned to value money. Uh, and uh, her mom used to, mom and dad used to work in the construction, is working in a construction uh, firm, and it works very hard, yeah, for their hard labor. And that money that they gave her as an allowance, she spends it lavishly. So by going to this mm. school, she has learned to value uh, the, the, the value of money. And she really uh, grateful yeah, that uh, she was chosen as one of the students to study in this vocational uh, training center. And she hoped that uh, more refugees, young boys and girls, uh, given the opportunity to, uh, to do this. So one of them studied graphic design, and he even uh, designed uh, for his uh, friends back in Myanmar. He did a cover very beautifully using his creativity and put mm. it in place. And now he's making a, a pocket money out of it by uh, 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 sending it. He's a refugee, huh? by, by the way, and, and sending it back to Myanmar. So that's that's the fruit that you see that, hey, look, yeah, so much beautiful fruits that they have uh, uh, give. They have blessed us, and at the same time, we have blessed them. Yeah, uh, Come to the blessing part. Uh, there was one migrant that I saw. Yeah, he He told me that it's because of his work as a cutlery, uh, he, he, he does the craving, you know, the hotel where you crave uh, fruits and, and uh, what sort and whatnot. Uh, every year, Christmas, he will come and offer his, his, his arts to during offer tree. So I say, wow, you're very creative. You know, he even uh, uh, crave a watermelon uh, of Guadalupe, you know, Our Lady of wow. Guadalupe uh, wow. on a watermelon. Huh? So I says, then he tells me that he, he felt blessed 
uh, not only he received a salary, but he also found his talents and gifts in Malaysia. Yeah, because we the industry that he 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 launched on, uh, he discovered his talents and gifts. So these are the people that you know. Why not if we could give them an accreditation when it goes back to their country, they will excel. Yeah, they will excel uh, to be a, a a success person. So that that are some of the success story yeah. that I feel uh, drawn. Yeah. So we have time for one one last question uh, before we we round up this conversation. Is this uh, is one from Cynthia? Uh, given the trend of social issues, migrants, urban poor, and refugees experience, is there a change of approach in PIHG that needs to consider to focus on on uh, provisions? I I take it as giving material help uh, and some form of education. I think you know. Uh, I, I think during during this pandemic, there are many BECs have kind of come together to put things together to to support, to provide for you know for for migrant workers. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, Father, uh, you have said it very uh, rightfully. So when we uh, during the pandemic, when we uh, collated names from the communities, uh, they were all over. So what we did was we worked with the uh, PIHD, and because of uh, MCO, we can't cross border. Uh, so we work with the PIHD and PIHD is the one who works with the BEC. So in fact, uh, actually, uh, I have a friend who, who, who is a non-Christian, uh, uh, I mean, uh, who is a Christian, who, who, who says it to me, he says that uh, I like the structure of the church. Yeah, The structure of church is very organized. Yeah, And uh, things get done very quickly because of our organized structure. So, and because we inform our PhD uh, and PhD informed the Parish Integral Human Development, in, informed the uh, uh, BECs, uh, things get done very fast and quickly. And even some yeah. uh, parishes runs education school, I mean, uh, tuition uh, for children. Yeah, so that's where uh, people like <coughs> us, I mean, out there who wants to give our time and services, we can render our times and services to back to the parish where we belong. Yeah, so that's where we can uh, contribute our services, especially retirees. There are ample of uh, retirees, uh, teachers, uh, lawyers, uh, doctors who can actually uh, have this uh, uh, chance of giving back to, to, to the poor, the vulnerables. Yeah, link up with the parishes, I would say. Yeah, so I think that there's, there's much to be done, uh, and there's a lot of opportunities for, for to help. Like you said, you know, whether it is packing food or getting mobilizing your BEC to collect food and to share uh, with others. Uh, I mean, I, I know, I mean, tuition and education has been an integral part. You know, uh, we have different centers that run, but they've all like, you know, because of the MCO, like any other school, they have not been able to operate. But once uh, they reopen, you know, we all can contribute in some way. Uh, I think the most important thing, I think if you ask uh, Josie, just listening to you, and I think I'm sure Patrick and Glenn would agree, uh, the most important thing to do, uh, what we need is, we, we need people to assist, isn't it? We need volunteers to help. Uh, the resources are out there, uh, but it's about people giving time to help and to create this awareness. And, and hopefully this conversation during Lent has you know, created some awareness for all of us. I think one of the take-homes that, that I find for myself uh, is that ability to be kind to the ones that are just in our immediate circle, the guards at the guardhouse, the people at the 
at the checkout the counter. List. The cleaners learn a few basic words in their language. And that's the way to really connect with them, you know, even if you're not giving them something um, immediately. For me, you know, over and above that giving of provisions and, and, and helping out in the ministry, that is really important, especially in this season of Lent, you know, to really give them yeah. hope and help, you know. Amen. Yeah, one of the one of the suggestions that I can suggest, which coming up with this International Women's Day, yeah, there is domestic workers that is in your house. You can make a small card, you know, especially children, they can draw and say, thank you, Kaka. I mean, that simple gesture, uh, it doesn't mm -hmm. take much money and it doesn't take much time. Yeah, by giving this small little card to them or, you know, even Father's Day, you know, do a small card or even Migrant Sunday. Uh, Migrant Sunday, as a church, we celebrated on the last week of September. Yeah, uh, uh, World Migrants Day. So do simple cards like that and say thank you, you know, for so and so, blah blah blah. You know that that really will motivate them when they uh, when they moved on. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think it's really able to be... recognize to recognize the the individuality, the, to recognize the yeah. person. So to this morning, we have some some simple words that we can use uh, that to help uh, to recognize the individuals, to to give them dignity, to give them value uh, for what they do. I think these are little things that you know that we can do because uh, when we think of migrants refugees we think that you know it's just material needs that we need to give out you know but sometimes it's more than that uh, it is just to be able to recognize the person as i said earlier in the petrol kiosk in the supermarket uh, in a restaurant uh, in anywhere you go or in church when you go back to church when you see someone yeah you know in your own yeah. community don't uh, don't don't run away from them uh, uh, but you know, welcome to, them back. Yeah, welcome yeah. Them, yeah, welcome them and to greet them because it has been more tough on them uh, than than any of us during this pandemic, especially for the migrant communities uh, that yeah. we need to reach out. Yeah. yeah. So Josie, thank you very much for for being part of this conversation this morning. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank you for your you, time. Father. Yes. Uh, Thanks, uh, Josie. Thank you, Patrick. There's and a lot, there's a lot of uh, privilege to have you on. And so we have Jude saying, thanks, Josephine, for enlightening us. God bless you. We may have another Saint Josephine in our midst. Yes, let's pray for that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Saint Joseph, some more. Yeah. yeah. But I think we, we all can do uh, we all can do our part. And I think that's the important thing, Precisely. you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. only yeah. So, so much Josephine can do. Um, but if we all do our part a little bit, and I think it, it makes it uh, a, a more meaningful ministry. It does yes. not belong to the AOHD or the PIHD, but it's the ministry right. of every baptized Christian to welcome the stranger, uh, clothe the naked, to give a drink to the thirsty. And this is basically the final judgment that Matthew's gospel talks about in 20, Matthew chapter 25, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, Father, we are all pilgrims on the journey. Yeah. Whether we that's like right. it or not, we are all migrants yes. in this <clears throat> land uh, yeah. on earth. Yeah, and who is we, striving and, and to we, go to the kingdom of God. <laughs> that's right. And we are citizens of heaven, finally. And all of it yes, is, we precisely. Are, we are, that is the yeah. citizenship that all of us are looking for, not citizenship <laughs> of uh, being a Malaysian or Myanmarese yeah, or Vietnamese. Right. or uh, yeah. yeah. So thank you very much, uh, Josie. Thank you very much thank uh, you, Father. for having yeah. for being here this morning to share this conversation with us. Patrick, we have an announcement to make. Uh, we want to... Yes. Um, on Monday, we will celebrate International Women's Day. 
So we want Yay. to encourage everybody to please, uh, like Josie said, you know, make little cards, you know, um, the women in your life uh, with, with, with a lot of love, uh, you know, um, and, and, and treat them uh, uh, to a meal, you know, uh, greet them, uh, share some love, you know, the, the mothers, the, the daughters, the, the sisters, the nieces, the, the mother-in-laws. Don't forget your mother-in-law. Please give her a hug. <laughs> all right? Uh, so please extend and let's all celebrate uh, the gift of women uh, to all of us on Monday. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Huh? So, Thank you. Have a good any day. Any last words, Father? Yeah. Glenn? So let's, shall we conclude with a prayer as we always do? Yep. In the name of the Father, yes. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for this conversation, for this awareness in the season of Lent uh, as we seek to reach out to the poor, to the, uh, to the less fortunate. We remember the migrant communities, the refugees, the urban poor that live in our midst. Open our eyes, help us to be sensitive to their needs, to be able to reach out to them, to give them a sense of value, a sense of dignity in our own little way. May we be a sign, an instrument to bring your hope to them. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Josie. Thank you. Thanks, Selamat for Josie. Thank you to everyone. Uh, <laughs> Selamat care, for. Stay safe. Stay safe. All right. We look forward Thanks, to seeing Father. you next week. Uh, same time, uh, 10.30. Don't know about. Don't know about. <laughs> Danya, Shukran. Shukriya.